All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, quick Bible update. I still have not found the premium calfskin, so still at less glory. But if you don't understand that inside joke, tough luck. You should have listened to my last sermon. Okay. Um, but uh, we're actually finishing up the letter of 3 John today. So if you would, let's stand. I'll read verses 5 through 15 together. Third John, it's, there's Jude in Revelation, so it's right there towards the end. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your precious word, uh, that we get to proclaim it today and learn about it. And I just pray that you would be glorified. Jesus, that your name would be great that people would be encouraged walking out of here, and that you would use me to speak that truth. And I just pray to prepare hearts uh, for the message, and that, uh, again, you would be glorified. So we thank you and pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Be seated. All right, stated earlier, we're finishing up the the three letters of John. Uh, They're a really unique collection of letters. Uh, The first letter is meant for the the broader church abroad in in Asia, right around that area. And then the second letter was specifically to a a small family. And then third, John, is really for one person. So it gets more specific as the letters go on. And this letter in particular was written to Gaius, as you probably found out last week. And it addresses one major topic, and that's hospitality. It's how believers can show hospitality to one another, um, specifically, again, towards welcoming believers. And this is where we pick up in verse 5. So here, it's, he's, again, addressing Gaius specifically. It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. What's happening is, he is he's welcomed people into his home that were strangers. Okay, again, think about the time frame here. You don't know a lot of people beyond your neighbors and this culture, and at this time. And so he's welcoming people who are, are going out for the gospel's sake. He's welcoming them in as strangers, and John is really encouraging that behavior. And it also says they testified uh, about the love that he had had and he had shown them. Um, and then it says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That phrase, sending them in a manner worthy of God, that appears a couple times in the New Testament. It's just this idea of... of, of They are faithful servants of God, and they're sending them out. So I just think that's amazing that John is taking time to encourage this believer and what he is doing and showing hospitality here. 
So in verse 7 and 8, it picks up, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. The they here is talking about the, the missionaries that he has received. Okay? They have gone out for the sake of the name. When you hear that word, the name, obviously it's talking about Jesus. But I'm always reminded of the, the passage in Acts where the disciples were gathered together, they were beaten um, by the Pharisees and the scribes, and, and then they, were, they left, and it says they were rejoicing, thankful they were able to um, be, I guess it was persecuted on the name, it says. So um, that's what it's talking about, Jesus here. They're going out for the name, uh, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. That might sound weird at first, but what it's talking about is they're doing this for free. Nobody's paying them to go. Okay? There's not a corporation behind them saying, yes, you know what I want to do is send people out, and so they're paying them for this? No, and the Gentiles certainly aren't wanting this at this time. So they're doing all of this for free, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. That's what that passage is referring to. So because of that truth, because they're going out in the name, and because they're accepting nothing, it says verse 8, therefore, because of that truth, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. This is an amazing uh, challenge from John here, saying we ought to support people like these. Okay, number one, they're not getting paid to do this. And number two, it's challenging work. Okay? And so he is, he's letting us know that we ought to, in light of that truth, that they're going out for the name, unsure of what is going to happen, that we ought to support them. Okay, in our world, there's, there's many ways you can support missionaries. Prayer, number one, they would be the first to tell you that that is so important. But number two, financially. Okay, again, they're not getting paid to do this. Okay. And so that is one challenge for you, is looking at how you might be able to partake in their ministry. And I'm always, I, I think about when Jesus left, right? When he, he ascended into heaven, he gave the Great Commission, it's called. Right, go, therefore, make disciples, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says, go. That was the command that Jesus gave. Now, that command, I don't believe, was just for the disciples. I really don't. I think that was for everybody. But our roles are totally different in that mission. Okay? And here, I think John is giving us a clue to how us that don't go physically can support this mission. And it's by giving financially, supporting them that way. And it says, we ought to support people like these, that, they, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So how you get in on this mission is by also giving your, your money and your, your time through prayer, and you get to be involved in this mission. And that mission is salvation for Gentiles in the world. Okay. Think about Matthew 9. Jesus says, he looked at his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's the challenge. Okay, there's, a, there's a goal, there's a mission, there's this, this harvest, and the harvest is referring to people and salvation, and the laborers are few, he says. So when we encounter these laborers, we ought to support them. That's the challenge that John is giving us here. So, for me personally, I was challenged by this passage to look at my own life and say, am I doing that? 
Is that something I'm doing financially? Am I supporting people? Because I'm not the one going out right now. Now again, side note, you do go out obviously in the world and in, with your coworkers, things like that, but we're not going to the nations. Not everyone in this room is going to do that. So I was challenged to think and look at myself and say, is that something I'm doing? Is that something that I'm trying to, to, to get better at every single day? So challenge you with that to ask the same questions. Now he's encouraged us to support people who are going out for the truth. And then he takes this shift here. So he started out talking about encouraging guys and what he's done, giving us the challenge. And then in verse 9 it says, I have, something, I have written something to the church. I'm assuming it references 1 John. I've written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So he shifts to a very specific matter within that local church community, and it's still addressing hospitality. Okay, because what this guy is doing is, number one, he's putting himself first. And the, the language there is very interesting. So he likes to put himself first. When I read that at first, it, it just came to my mind, the idea about the Pharisees, what they loved to do. All right, it says in Mark 12, Jesus said in his teaching, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. I thought about that as soon as I heard that this guy is, is wanting to make himself uh, the star of the show, basically. And so I feel like John had a lot of experience with Pharisees. He was with Jesus at the beginning. And so he's saying this guy is being very pharisaical with how he's acting, and he wants to make himself first, which is the ultimate sign of pride here. Um, so he does that. He's, he's calling out this believer. And if you ever stop to think, this is the shortest letter in, the, in, in all of the Bible. Very short, okay? And in God's precious word, he took the time to call out this one person, Okay? The word of the Lord is going to last forever, it says. And this guy's name is forever associated with wrongdoing. Think about that. I was blown away by that word. Precious word here is devoted to calling out this believer for not showing hospitality. Okay, it goes on to say exactly what he's doing here. He was guilty of five things. Okay? He was guilty on, uh, he wanted to take the lead role. Obviously, that's number one. Number two, he actually refused to receive John. It says he, he didn't count his teaching as, as valid. It says he made malicious statements against the apostles, questioned their authority. It says he refused to entertain missionaries that were sent. And then number five, he excommunicated those who did entertain the missionaries. Five things this guy did in one passage here, in one verse tells us. And so it is a huge sin, according to John, because verse 11 and 12, he says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. And at first you go, wait, okay, where did we get from this guy not entertaining believers to now evil versus good? That seems like a leap there, but it's not if you remember 1 John, right? If you flip over to 1 John chapter 3, again, I spoke on this last time, 
I hope you memorized it, right? First uh, John chapter 3, John does the same thing. He makes this incredible leap from a very specific issue to then evil and good. He, he makes that, that leap again. Verse 10, it says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. It's not good. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So remember, he made that leap saying about loving your brother somehow means that you are either good or evil. And then here, because he didn't welcome his brothers, he is now called evil. And John starts talking about it. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Just such an interesting way to phrase that. Whoever does evil has not seen God. It's this idea of somehow believing in faith in Jesus. That's how you see God. And he says when you do evil, that means that, that you haven't actually seen him. I'm just blown away by that passage and how he words that. Because it's as if you, you know this truth, you believe it, you've experienced it, then how could you then turn around and be evil towards your brothers and sisters? It's that belief. So, and then verse 12, Demetrius, another name here, has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. Demetrius, like I said, another name. It's actually a pagan name, but this guy is clearly a believer in the church. And what I love that John just did, okay, he says, this guy he calls out, okay, Diotrephes, he calls him out and says, don't be like him. But then what he does is he elevates a believer within the church and says, this guy is doing good. So again, forever, this guy's name is associated with good. And that's beautiful to see that John is willing to encourage, number one, Gaius, and then this guy, Demetrius. But he's also willing to then call out some false behavior. So as believers, are we willing to encourage? Okay, that's a question. When you see hospitality, is that something you're, you're more than willing to do, is, is to show your... Um, your love for that hospitality and encourage believers. I, I think that's amazing that John did that. And so again, he gives that dichotomy there of, of here's a person not doing it, and then here is a person doing it. Um, something interesting too about Second John, the, the letter right before this, you remember the, the major premise of that, verse 10, it says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. So John tells you, don't welcome people into your house who are doing this. And then here in 3 John, he actually elevates who you should be welcoming into your homes. Missionaries, those on mission for the gospel. Um, so that was just a really uh, unique thing that he did there as well. Now, if you read the bulletin, I titled this message, Imitate Good. That's what it was titled. Okay. Um, and I think what John is getting at with the imitate good and do not imitate evil is, number one, he's talking about hospitality within the church, okay? We are called to imitate goodness here, 
And in this context, that goodness is welcoming believers into your home. That's the context, and that is really powerful. That's something, again, these people were strangers to Gaius. Strangers. But he welcomed them in for the sake of the gospel. So for us as believers, we have these gifts that God has given us. Okay? Ultimately, everything you have is from God. And are you utilizing those gifts for good? That's the question we have to challenge ourselves with. And in particular, with homes, are you utilizing that? Are you leveraging that for the kingdom of God? That's a question that I have to ask myself every day and that I would encourage you to ask yourself. Now, going with the idea of encouraging boldly and publicly about what's going on in this church, I want to let you know there are many people doing this extremely well and that deserve to be encouraged and recognized. Okay, number one, those people that are hosting Bible studies in their homes, that is an amazing show of hospitality. So thank you for that. That needs to be encouraged more that you have welcomed people into your homes, strangers at times. So that is a great thing that needs to be recognized. And then on top of that, people who don't host Bible studies will still have people over, okay? This is a great thing that we do in this church, a great thing. So I want to encourage you with that, those that are sharing their homes, and challenge you that if you're not, to just ask that question. What does that look like? Now, there's a second thing that I think that's happening with imitate good, okay? I think he's challenging us to imitate our elders, okay? It's a, it's a challenge, right? I'm sure the elders would be the first to say that we're not perfect, and that's okay. However, this is a challenge to imitate those that are in higher positions. It really is. And it's a call to, to make sure that we are watching them closely and mimicking what they do. So if you're an elder in the church, that's a challenge. People are going to be watching you to imitate you. It's this idea of, of what happens with our children, right? Our children imitate us, whether we like it or not. They're going to imitate us, and just like in the church, we should be imitating those that are in higher authority. Um, and I think John is getting at that as well. The, the Greek word here is, is pretty interesting because it's used four times in the New Testament here and then twice in 2 Thessalonians, and then it's also used um, in Hebrews 13.7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It's the other time that word imitate is used. Um, so again, I think that's a call and a challenge for us to imitate our elders in particular. Um, but then I think there's a third thing here about imitate good versus evil. Um, it's just a general statement. In this culture, it's very easy to imitate evil. Uh, let me read a passage for you in Romans 1, right? Romans 1, 28 through 32, talking about non-believers in particular. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, 
insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. It says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Not an exhaustive list of evil, but certainly a list of evil things people can do. And it says that the world is going to not only allow you to do those things, but they are going to encourage you and celebrate you when you do them. And so here, John is telling us to imitate good versus evil. And that's the challenge in our life, is to imitate good. So, young people in the room, I'm not going to put an age on it. If you feel like you're young, fine. I want you to pay attention to me right now, okay? This is going to be the hardest part of your young walk in your faith. Imitating good versus imitating evil. The pressure in this world is for you to imitate evil. It really is. One area in that is, where is the line? You may have heard that question asked. How far is too far? Where is the line? Well, the line is right here. I can tell you that. You know the line. You know what it says you should and shouldn't do. Here's the line. The question you should be asking is, where, where should you be at that line? And I'm here to tell you, you're called to be as far away from the line as possible. That's where you're called to be as a believer. Way over there. That's the call. Imitate good. Be holy. That's what God calls us to do. So the question of where is the line is the wrong question. The question is how far away from the line can I be? That's what you're called to do. And your parents will do a great job of teaching you that and encouraging you through that. But that's what you're called to do is imitate good. The best place to find that is through Scripture. Jesus was good all the time. Never a moment, never a second that he wasn't good. And the best place to, to witness that is to read it. It's the account of his life. How did he respond to people? What did he do in certain situations? Those are all questions you can ask while, while reading about Jesus. That is the best place to imitate good. Okay? Another great place is with your families who are here right now. Again, it's a challenge for the parents, but you are called to imitate good, and your families are imitating good by bringing you here today, okay? And so that's a challenge as well. Follow your parents. I know it's hard because, again, the world will tell you that is ridiculous, that is stupid. It'll tell you that you haven't experienced enough, that you need to know about these things to make a good decision, and that is all a lie from Satan himself, Okay? Think about the fall and what happened. There was a tree that God said, do not eat from. And it was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they took from that tree because Satan lied to them and said, did God really say not to eat from that tree? He knows that you will be like God, knowing good from evil if you eat of it, which is exactly true. That is exactly what happened. We became like God so that we know the two choices. But it also gave us the power to make the wrong choice. That's what you will always be tempted with, is this idea of you have to know both sides. You have to know the wrong side first, so then you can make the right decision. And that is not true at all. 
We are called to be holy as believers, set apart, different from the world. It says your home is not here anymore. And so that is a challenge for all of us, no matter your age and how we walk through this world, is are we going to imitate good or are we going to imitate evil? So John, he finishes his letter and he says, um, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. Okay. I mean, as we're reading this, you can go, John, come on, you're, you're, you're babbling on here. This is the longest letter, right? No, it's the shortest letter. And it's as if he's wrapping this up for some reason, but it says, I have much more to write, but... I would much rather not write with pen and ink. And that's another battle that we have in life is what do we say via typing versus what do you say face-to-face? Okay. I love a good Facebook debate. Don't get me wrong. I'm the first to engage in those. I really am. My wife loves it. <laughs> but what you quickly learn is that there's a fine line. Okay? interacting with people, something is, is missing in that interaction. Okay, they miss your, your voice inflections. They miss how passionate you are. They miss a lot of that just by typing. You don't get any of it. And so that's a challenge for us is to figure out how we navigate this world. I'm definitely not saying don't do it. I, I believe there's, there's fruit in doing that, especially not even for the person you're debating with, for the people reading it. There's a lot of people reading those things. They just don't like it. And so I would encourage you to think about that. Maybe instead of saying the one thing, maybe you should say private message them and say, let's get together and talk about this. That could work out better. And John's kind of given us a lesson here, saying, I'm coming to talk to you about these things. It says, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. You can imagine Diotrephes, when he heard this, it's like, Wait, what? Son of Thunder's coming here? Right? I don't think he was too happy to hear that John was coming. He says, I will address it face to face. That's what a leader does. They, they address these problems head on and talk about it. And so John promises that he's coming. So... Like I said, and then he ends it, peace be to you, the friends greet you, greet the friends each by name. I just love that little closing there because, again, it's hospitality. So you know these people. Greet each person by name. Do you know these people, your fellow believers here? So that, again, that's, that's challenging. Now, in closing, um, I was joking, I was going to leave Tony with that last line as a joke to say, okay, you can finish this next week, but didn't work out. Um, so in closing, uh, there's just three things I want you to really to, to think about, especially in terms of imitating good and especially showing hospitality. Okay. Number one, look to John's example through this letter. He encouraged those that were worthy of encouragement. We should be quick to encourage those in our church that are doing great things for the gospel in particular who are welcoming people into their homes. Be quick to encourage them. Okay. Number two, look to those within our church and imitate them. I feel like that was very clear throughout this passage that, that we are called to, to imitate those who are doing great things in our church body. 
And number three, the challenge I have for, for us within this church is to consider opening your homes and leveraging it for God's glory. Okay, great hospitality is about putting others' needs above your own. That's also the definition of humility. Okay? However, bad hospitality is putting your needs first. Selfishness. Diotrephes was doing that. He put himself first. I understand you like your me time. I get it. Okay? I am a loner at times as well. I get that. However, we are called to put others' needs above our own. That will always be something we fight against. So I would challenge you, what does this look like for you to leverage your day-to-day life for this? What does that look like? So I'm going to close this in prayer. Uh, we're going to go through communion here. So bands can come back up. Father, we just again praise you uh, for everything you've given us. You have given us every single thing we have, and I pray to remember that every day. Father, I pray to wake up knowing that this is a gift. You have shown the greatest hospitality ever. Everything is yours, and yet you, you, you give us the, the stewardship of these things. And I pray to, to be an example of that, Father. I pray that my kids would grow up and know what hospitality is. I pray for us that, that we would imitate good as we go out of here. That we would look to you as the greatest example and then look to others within our church that you have worked through. And I pray that we would imitate those people, Father. And so we just thank you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.